Welcome back to ABA Generalize the podcast. I'm Erica. I'm a BCBA. I'm Jean. I'm an RBT. And I'm Anne, a BCBA. And we have a special guest. This is Kathy. She is a parent. <laughs> and and many more things. But um, <laughs> hi, everyone. Um, so we invited you to be on our podcast because you worked with both G and Erica and myself. You know, we all worked with you and your family. Um, Erica was the RBT for about two years and then stopped working when she became a BCBA. And then G joined the team for a few months uh, while in the intermediate unit unit <laughs> the unit which in PA that's a free um service up to kindergarten um you can get behavior speech OT PT special instruction um all through the county so you want to tell us a little bit about yourself Kathy Sure. Thank you for having me, guys. This is awesome. I've been following the podcast. You're doing amazing. Um, So thank you for everybody out there. Um, Yeah, so we uh, I met all these lovely ladies through the company that they all worked at. Um, My daughter, Lyra, we can say her name. That's fine. We all know her. Um, My daughter was diagnosed um, on the spectrum when she was just turning two. But we had started, um, like Ann said, with those services that are, um, you know, provided to you through the county. Um, We got her assessed at about 10 months old. And, you know, we kind of we knew something was going on, but we weren't sure. So we got in those services early. Um, And actually, one of the instructors that they provided actually was someone um, in, in your company that we all uh, we all kind of met that way. She was working in the home setting first. And then once we actually got the diagnosis and we could get insurance to cover um, ABA and we started it. So um, I was fortunate to be one of those families that started early and um, we met all of you guys and it's been awesome since. So yeah, Lyra's nine now. So um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's I, crazy, crazy. I'm just trying to think how old she was when I first started working with her because I know she was little. Yeah, so I think I she mean, was what, probably, four or five? Yeah, maybe four, I would say, I think. Yeah, because she went, so, yeah. I, left, I mean, she, she wasn't in kindergarten yet, so she, mm-mm. yeah, no. she had to be at least four. Yeah, Because when yeah. I left the team, she had just started kindergarten and we had just started yeah. integrating her into that schooling. Yeah. Oh, wow. Crazy, oh, nine. Nine, 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 and doing great. So I love yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you for telling us a little bit about yourself and you know what has brought you here. Um, what are some of your hobbies and you like to do in your free time? Oh my goodness, free time. That's fun. <laughs> um, that's that's funny. You all know you're you're busy. You're dedicated to your daughter. Yes. So no, I um I I mean I jumped into the whole advocacy thing, you know, right when she was diagnosed, just because it, it was a struggle to get, you know, kind of everything that I felt she needed and um, I felt she deserved. So that did kind of take a front seat for a long time in, in life, you know, as not just transitioning as a parent, but then, you know, getting a diagnosis pretty early on. So um, a lot of things shifted, but I, you know, I still like to have fun. I go out, I have fun. I actually recently just ran for school board in my town. So that was 
a crazy experience. Um, it was it was great. It didn't it didn't work out the way we planned, but it was a great experience. I met a lot of great people. Um, so it was awesome. So yeah, I think just working, kind of you know, trying to help kids like Lyra, um, and then still having fun and going out and being like crazy. Self, so. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you got to have that time, right? You have to have that <laughs> that kind of time away a little bit to kind of regenerate and remember who you are and kind of keep everything fun. So you need your break. You got right? to you have your, your time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so try jumping back to ABA then like when, like when did you exactly start ABA with Lyra? And then did you know anything about ABA before her getting those services? So it was kind of funny at the time. Well, like I said, I we had someone working on our case through the county services um, as a behavior um, specialist, you know, someone that I think because of the way services run through the county, we couldn't really say, hey, she's getting ABA, you know. But now when I look back, a lot of the things we were implementing were kind of that early. Um, they maybe weren't using the language, let's say. But now that I look back, I see some of the things that we were implementing were definitely like an ABA undertone. So I would say we started officially right after she got her diagnosis and she was about two maybe like a month after two um and you know i just think i just think it seamlessly worked i think because i had those services in the home and they were everybody was really on board and kind of collaborating it just felt natural to kind of progress into you know actual aba and come to the center and and really start to learn kind of the modality so um, I would say around two, but we were, you know, kind of dabbling in it a little bit before that. Like, so did you know anything about ABA before getting um, started? Not really. I mean, I had heard about it and, you know, I, I asked, sorry guys, you'll be able to, I ask a lot of questions in, in sessions and I really just want to know and be involved. So I kind of had a, an idea of it, you know, and once we started it, I dove into the researching. I mean, I attend, you know, the National Autism Conference here in Pennsylvania up at Penn State, and that's basically um, all ABA centered and driven on the data and the science behind it um, through a training and technical institute that Pennsylvania has. So, I mean, as soon as we started it, I became pretty immersed in it and, you know, tried to get my knowledge of it up just so that I was a better partner with the RBT and the BCBA and to benefit Lyra, you know, my daughter, because I feel like it's one of those modalities. You don't just, you know, have the therapist come to the house or go to the center. And when the you know, session's over, it's done. Like that's, that's not how you successfully implement ABI, I would say, in my opinion. So, you know, I wanted to learn as much as I could about it to support everybody involved. And how, so when she first started, and I don't know if, um, if any of this has changed over the course of her getting ABA, but how many hours a week did she start out with? Like how much, how she, much did she get? We getting? jumped in. She was pretty much every day for about two plus hours. So we, you know, 10 to 15 hours, I would say. And then, you know, we got into the social skills program. So that was on the weekend. So yeah, I'd say anywhere between, you know, 10 to 15 when she had, you know, when there were holidays and things, obviously we altered it a little bit, but we were pretty much daily with it depending and you know we like I said I'm I'm gonna say collaborate a lot probably when you ask me things because I think that's a big key of successful ABA but you know we really just kind of let her take the lead sometimes you know if the day was great and you know the session ran smooth and we could be there the whole time that was great sometimes you know it was all right she's 
maybe having a rough day. Let's end a little early, but that we didn't have that too much. Um, cause I kind of, I kind of push. So, you know, once we're in it, we're in it, but yeah, it was probably every day, you know, five days a week and then the social skills on the weekend. So. Yeah. yeah I'm thinking, I'm personally thinking back to the blueberry incident of what was that? 20. I was, I was wondering when that was going to come up. I want to say 20, 2018, maybe. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was, I can't believe we don't know the exact date ingrained <laughs> into our brain, but I think we were all so traumatized by it that maybe we've also tried to push it out. I can't, I can't eat blueberries to this day without thinking of that incident. So for everyone who doesn't know about this incident, um, I was an RBT with Lyra and we were in the center and right next door. To, so the way our center was set up is um, we had individual rooms with also, you could see through the one that we were not in, but you had to go into another room to see in the other side um, or to like the room that we were in. Mm -hmm. And Lyra was having a snack. Um, one of her favorite snacks was blueberries. I don't know if it still is. Um, nope, nope. That incident pretty much crushed it, I think. I think she's <laughs> pretty much done with that fruit forever. So one of the things that we were trying to teach her was to just eat her food and not take it out of her mouth. Um, so I think what had happened was she was squishing it in her mouth and then taking it out and playing with it. And I was like, girlfriend, we're not doing that. We're going to just eat it. Um, but then she was squishing it with her fingers and then putting it in her mouth creating a mess. It's fine if it was, if it was just like not an issue where she was easily able to be redirected, it, it would have been a lot lesser of a problem. Um, but because we were trying to teach her how to appropriately eat something and plus she was going to school, it was gonna, you know, I think COVID didn't happen yet, but like we were still being very cautious about like illnesses and stuff, obviously like flu, you know, natural mm -hmm um the current illnesses around um and um yeah she she squeezed it and I told her no and she flew flung blueberries everywhere like all everywhere. over the carpet she's everywhere. on the floor cry like screaming her head off and she's like crawling around on the floor trying to pick up these blueberries to eat them again I'm like we're not eating them off the floor I'm sorry I mean it this was it was the level of shrill that came I mean it was it was pretty intense. I, I haven't heard too many like that since, but it was a pretty um traumatizing experience. I think more so for us than yeah. even for her. Like when we got her calmed down, she was like, "Well, oh, okay, let's let's just keep this moving." And we yeah. were on it. Like so. Kathy runs in and grabs her and is like, "There is an assessment going on next door. You will not be screaming like this." <laughs> Takes her into the big room and is like, "Girlfriend, no." Like. And I'm yeah. like, what is happening? What this is, is not happening? what we do. This is not what we do. Um, but that was very out of character for her. It was very much mm -hmm. like, you know, once again, trying to teach that flexibility and the appropriateness of things, especially because she was in school. She was, we were, I think, preparing even for her to be in kindergarten. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it was still, she was going to the IU. She might've been going to the IU for school part-time yep. at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it was just like a combination of what we were trying to teach her at the time. And then it just exploded. Yeah. And, and she was very um, heavily motivated around food, which is why, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, motivate, but which is why we never reinforced really with food because uh, homegirl likes her snacks and her food. So she, she, she was a trash picker. 
she was a trash picker. Thankfully, we are uh, we are out of that stage. So. I'm so glad I to hear that. I definitely stopped her from getting cookies out of the trash can at the <laughs> IU a couple times. Yeah, I mean, it was, she was very, yeah, she is a sneak and she's a quick one. She's quick and she's cute and you think, and she's pretty well behaved now. So you think it's, you got to always be head on a swivel with this one. I can't with her. Yeah. She would go to throw away her napkin and I would be watching her like a hawk. And yet she would still manage to sneak something out of the trash can at Little Acorns. It's like, like people would think I didn't feed her. I'm sure like the general public was probably like this poor child just never gets food and she's you know rummaging through the trash which you know we all know that that is the complete opposite but yeah I'm sure I have quite a reputation out there to random people that I've never met uh, <laughs> so I guess this goes to my next question <laughs> how involved were you during sessions I know this answer yes um probably annoyingly involved uh, I would say <laughs> But um, no, I think I think you have to be right. So like I was telling Anne when we were speaking earlier, it's just, you know, I am just the kind of person that once I'm on something, I want to know about it. And I want to if we're going to spend all this time. Right. I want I want it to succeed, not just for me or the therapist, like for Lyra. So, um, yeah, I would say I was pretty much present at every I mean, when Lyra started, I had to be in the room with her. She, you know, was still uneasy about um being away from me she really didn't have like a separation anxiety it was just you know we were transitioning from doing all of our services from the birth to three program in the home to now in the center and it was different and it was challenging and it was a transition um so yeah it was it was a couple months before I was able to actually you know transition out of the room and at first it was you know oh mommy's gonna go to the bathroom I'll be back and then oh mom you know and we finally, you know, it's so funny now I drop her off at school and it's like, I barely get a goodbye. You know, she runs, runs into the school and like loves it. So it's, it's great. But yeah, I think as a parent, you should be involved because you need to know what's going on. And like I said, you need to kind of, you know, be able to help your child generalize all these skills she's learning in this very specific setting into you know, school and especially home and community. So I think paying attention and being involved and really understanding what the goals are, what, you know, what it looks like to shape behavior. I think you need to really be an active participant um, in the sessions. I mean, you know, I understand life is different for everybody. So it may not be something that everybody can do, but I, I think it's definitely, you know, a priority should be to kind of get in as many sessions as you can, or at least watch. Yeah, I try to talk to all my parents now and get them as involved as possible. And, you know, sometimes I have parents that are like, should I be sitting here? Like, should I go another room? Like, what do you recommend? And I'm like, honestly, the more involved you are, the better, because if you don't know what we're doing actively, you're not going to be able to carry this over. Because at the end of the day, you want to put us out of a job. We do not want to have to be involved in your child's life. Like, we obviously love what we do, and that's why we're here. But the key is graduation. Like exactly. That's that's going into any situation. Like, that is the end all be all. Yep, exactly. Like learning all those skills, uh, decreasing the behaviors, you know, getting them to feel as normalized as possible, um, getting your family as normalized as possible. And, um, you know, I the think independence. that's- The independence is a huge thing. Yes. You know, just giving them that confidence that they can do things and, you know, kind of just navigate life um, with as little support as possible. I mean, I feel like that's all of our goals, you know, and 
that means transitioning out of therapy sometimes as much as you don't want to leave <laughs> the people, you know, that's, that's the end goal. Like you all said. Yeah. And especially I know Catholic, at least for me, like we've been like family since I started with you guys. Absolutely. So, um, you know, and that's the other what thing happens is when, when you're in the home, it, ha- it really does when you start mm-hmm. to develop and obviously keeping those boundaries as well. Right. Like we're, we're making sure that we're not having that dual relationship, but at the same time, like we're in your house. Like you told me when you get here, just walk in the door. Like, do not even knock, do not even ring the doorbell, come right on in. Like that tells me just so much about like the people that I work with is when I'm told that it just gives me that green light of like, you trust me, you make me feel like I'm part of your family and we're not going to be, we're, we're a team. Yeah. Right. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's and, Lyra, and Lyra or any child you're working with, I feel like needs to feel that they need mm-hmm. to feel safe because we are pushing their boundaries and we're really challenging them. And you know, some, some, even the skills that we all work with, right? Like, you know, with toilet training and things like that, even if we're not in the nitty gritty of it, just conversation sometimes can be hard for kids. So I feel like getting that, you know, relationship established so that everybody feels safe and trusted is important. So, you know, letting you just kind of walk in and letting Lyra say like, oh, she's here and hi. And, you know, when, when she would, Um, but yeah, I think that's important. So it goes along with just being involved and, you know, participating. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So what, with all of that being said, what is your personal opinion on ABA? Oh, I hate it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, (laughs) I think, I think if, if done correctly, and obviously I've had great relationships with all of you and I've been, I've been lucky because I feel like from the start we have, um, it's been done correctly, quote unquote, right? So it's always felt like a team kind of collaborative environment. Um, I always felt a part of the decision-making. So I've had a great experience. I feel that Lyra has had, you know, she was completely nonverbal until a little over three. So, you know, you have to just, I don't want to say guess, but you really have to be in tune with your child as far as like behavior and just mannerisms and how they're feeling emotionally. Like you really have to read into your child when you have a nonverbal child to get that emotion. Um, And we've been lucky. I feel like we have always had a BCBA and RBT that you know, was willing to work with us and really just explain things if I didn't understand it or why we were doing it. Or, you know, if I didn't really think, oh, I don't know how this is going. I feel like we were able to maybe not always change it, but kind of reshape it. So I've had a good experience. I know that sometimes there is that narrative out there that ABA is, you know, it's training. It's not, you know, it's cold. It's just, you know, all about reinforcing behavior and extincting other behavior. And and while I feel the basis of it is, right, like we're trying to shape behavior, I feel like it shouldn't, it shouldn't feel cold. It shouldn't feel like sterile. It should be this relationship that's built, um, you know, with the family or the parent or, you know, at least the the child, aka patient, like you have to establish that, I feel like, because because for this to work, I think the fact that it has to be so repetitive and it is best to do more and stay consistent. It's not, you know, some of these therapies where you do it once a week and, you know, whatever. So I've had a great experience. Um, I think it's helped Lyra a lot. It looks way different now at nine than she it did it too, you know, but I think that's, that's, we, it's so much growth, um, you know, different RBTs, different styles. 
Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan. If, like I said, if done correctly, I have heard some stories where, you know, from other parents, like I said earlier, I, you know, kind of stepped into the advocate role a little bit, not officially, but, you know, I run a lot of parent support groups and um, a local organization with our school district. So there are parents that have that negative experience. And I think it's all just, you know, it, it just wasn't the right fit for them, whether that means how they were conducting the sessions, who was running the sessions, you know, was the parent involved enough? Was the child? There's a lot of things, a lot of factors, I think. Everybody's different, but I feel like if it's done correctly, it's a great modality. Yeah, that's nice to hear. <laughs> I love the positive <laughs> feedback. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, you've kind of touched on this, but how, like, how has it changed your lives as a family? How has it, how do you think it's changed Lyra's life? Um, I that? think, I think the main thing with it's, it's helped establish kind of, I hate using the, the term normal. Like I hate that in just any setting, but you know, we, she is able to adapt to environments now. Right. So we go to the grocery store, we go out to eat, like we go places, you know, and, and a lot of that is I am just fortunate that, you know, we all know kids on the spectrum or you've seen one, you've seen one, right? Like there's so many different um, ways that autism affects people and by no means, you know, is Lyra 100%, you know, uh, neurotypical, I would say, but, you know, in a natural environment, like she can, she can thrive. Like we can be out in the community, we can go to dinner, we can, you know, just do those normal things. There are still things that she struggles with, but we just continue to work on them. Um, so I think, yeah, it's brought a lot of, calmness and kind of, you know, regulation to our family. Uh, for her, I feel like she has really been able to just learn about herself, right? Like learn what calms her when she's in a stressful situation. Um, you know, it's she, she's such a hard worker. I mean, she can, I think Erica will be able to tell you this. There's been times where we had to like purposely be like, no, you need to take a break, get up from the table. Like she is a worker. And I think a lot of that is just you know, kind of genetics, how she was, how the kind of person she is. But I think it's really allowed her to persevere because of the, you know, you don't give up an ABA, right? You may change how you're trying to achieve that goal, but you're never just like, eh, they're not going to do it, right? So you just keep working at it. So she's persistent. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes maybe that's a negative, but um, no. So I, I think it's really helped, like I said, just being able to center herself, being able to understand that things have a beginning and an end. So even if she doesn't like something, it's not forever. Um, so yeah, she definitely made her a little more flexible for sure. Yeah. Cause girlfriend used to even work for doing flashcards. Like that was yeah. like her, yeah. her reinforcement. That was her jam. That was her jam. Like, and can we please? We were like, girlfriend, like, no, like go play, go, go get up, like go. And then she would get up for like two seconds and be like, cards, like, mm. Yeah. Okay. But 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 to that to that point, like we had to teach her how to independently imaginary play. Like I vividly remember when the world shut down, being like, "Oh my god!" Like, listen, disclaimer: I love my child more than anything in this entire world. But like, when you can't leave your house and playgrounds are closed, and your your child needs you to be like the playmaster, I was like, "Oh." hide all the alcohol because I'm going to have a problem. <laughs> like it was, but you know, that being said, that was what we worked on. We were like, okay, this shouldn't be 
like you shouldn't feel like that. Your child is, you know, four, going to be five. She should be able to entertain herself and play. And, you know, we, we set that goal. And now some days she's like, mommy, go <laughs> quiet. That's what she tells me. She just, <laughs> she just wants to, you know, she's into drawing and like creating, like she just, it's so crazy. I mean, Erica, I think we, you, we had a goal for her to pick up a pencil and draw a straight line, like, mm -hmm. because she was so against coloring and create like artwork was like, mm -mm, why? Like, she's a very black and white thinker. Like, I think most kids on the spectrum and it was like, what am I doing? Why? Why am I drawing? If I would just like literally take you on a tour of her little area, it's stacks of just drawings and coloring. And so it's so crazy when you're in it, which I think is like a good plug or, you know, kind of little piece of advice for parents. When you're in it, you think like, oh, my God, like, how is she ever going to write her name or do she won't even hold a pencil? And yeah, you just, you know, we, we worked very hard to get that. Um, and now she loves it. It's literally a preferred activity. So it's crazy when you see things like that, it, it just, it works, you know, it kind of, it reinforces you yeah. that what you've been putting in and what the therapists have been putting in, you know, it works. That's wild to hear that she just mm -hmm. loves that. And I remember also like going back to the pretend play thing, like I was the RBT still <laughs> during COVID, during the shutdown. Um, and at one point we did start doing Zoom sessions because we weren't sure what was really allowed and what was going on. Mm -hmm. And I have pictures on my phone still of like the gifts I used to make, like I used to make for those slideshows. And then in addition to that, like I have a video saved somewhere of the pretend play tea party that I set up for oh, myself on yep. my end mm -hmm. because I was like, okay, we're going to do a picnic or we're going to do a tea party. And like, we did it virtually pretty okay. She definitely I mean, was like, what? Like, you're yeah. not here, Miss Erica. <laughs> Like why? <laughs> you know, she just kept telling you, you drink, you drink. Yep. Like, mm -hmm. She was just kind of like, yeah, you got that all set up, girl. Why don't you go ahead and have that tea party? I'm just going to watch it. <laughs> or it was clink. Um. <laughs> she still cheerses. We still have to cheers at dinner. So I, again, see an outside parent is probably really judging me. Your child cheerses at every, at, what What are you guys doing at home? <laughs> No, no, my kids do that. It's fine. Okay, perfect. As long as we're all on the same page. Great. Um, so I guess you kind of touched upon this, but what's your favorite skill that Lyra has learned from ABI? Oh my goodness. I don't even know if I could pick one. She literally has learned so much, but I think honestly is probably the regulation, you know, being able to, and it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong, but I think none of us, right. We all have moments where we like freak out usually at our significant others, but I mean, you know, uh, yeah. So I think now just being able to identify how she's feeling um, and, you know, hats off to everybody on the team, because it, like I said, it's collaborative. Like my BCBA comes to my IP meeting at school still, you know, just because I feel like for Lyra's sake, we all need to be consistent, right? We need to be pretty much doing things the same way, um, you know, and, and a little deviation is good, helps with that flexibility, right? But you know, same skills, like we all need to be working for that same common goal um, to keep it streamlined for her. So I think, um, yeah, just being able to kind of regulate and let, you know, I'm mad. I need a minute. That's what she'll tell you now. I need a minute. 
I need my space or let's breathe, you know? And, and now she calls me, you know, if I, she sees me like kind of tense or something, mommy needs to take a deep breath. And I'm like, oh, well, thank you, girl. Thank you for, I'm getting checked by a nine-year-old, but um, so thanks ABA. I love that. I love that. Um, but yeah, but no, it's helpful. And it really does though. It's nice to, in the moment, you know, be like, oh, you know what I do? Like, let's take a breath together, you know? And so I think that there's so many skills though. I mean, the writing, the being able to just, you know, not time for this, let's do this first, you know, the good old first then. And, uh, you know, it being like no big deal. You know, I've had parents that we talked to and I'm like, how, how do you get her to you know, take that supplement or how do you get her to? And it's kind of like, well, she just does because we've worked on it for so long. So um, again, nothing's perfect, but I feel that I have skills now to be like, ooh, that didn't go well. Like, how can we reshape that? How could I have said it different to maybe, you know, kind of get a little more buy-in from her. So, and having that team around to help you collaborate on that and be able to reach out to a BCBA and be like, oh, I don't know, we might need to start working on this. I'm starting to see this happen or, you know, not be able to do this. So, um, yeah, I just think again, back to your question, sorry, I'm getting on a tangent. No, um, yeah, right. probably just, probably just that, you know, kind of self-regulation and being able to kind of adapt. So. And that's huge for her too, because, um, just thinking back to when we, the blueberry incident of whatever year it was, um, there was no self self-regulation and we had to kind of regulate for her or try to show her how she can regulate when she was angry. And, you know, it also hearing you say that she's saying all these full sentences is also ginormous, crazy. right? Like I, that's, crazy. that's exactly what I was going to say, Erica. I was like, even just her being able to speak and verbally say any of those things like I know especially like when I worked with her like we barely had words coming out of our mouth like we were really relying on other forms of communi communication like yes yeah. she was communicating with us but not verbally um so yeah even hearing just said that she's saying like mommy shush or be quiet yeah. like that's crazy yeah. to me it's it's amazing I just remember the <sighs> and now it's quiet please <laughs> like <laughs> We got to start probably reshaping that. It's not getting as cute anymore when she's like a four and a half foot nine year old. You know, it's not like, oh, look at that cute little four year old telling me to please be quiet. So that's the next journey, reshaping that. I love that. Um, so I guess the last question we have for you, Kathy, is what feedback can you give to make ABA more positive? Hmm. Well, like I said, thankfully, my experience has been great, right? Um but again, because I kind of in the world of, you know, just not just autism, even, you know, I work for a medical academy that trains physicians to um, work with people with all different disabilities. Right. So in doing that, speak to a lot of parents and, you know, there's this there's this new every so often, you know, we get this new modality. And especially since I had a non uh, speaker and now I would call her kind of still an unreliable speaker. There's this whole new modality of spelling to communicate um, where the you know, patients start with a letter board and then they move to typing and it's been amazing, right? So there are so many kids. I personally know a bunch of them. I shouldn't even say kids, like young adults that have come out and said, you know, they finally have a voice, like they've been trapped all this time. And, you know, they are recalling stories of not just ABA therapists, but therapists, you know, speaking in front of them, like, oh, this kid's not going to get this. He's stupid. You know, I mean, and again, I thankfully have never, nor would I ever tolerate that. I think you all know me pretty well. Um, but, 
you know, hearing these 22 year old adults like say that people were actually speaking around them, like as if they were not there because they could not speak or, you know, not setting goals like the one kid. I won't say his name, but obviously was like, you know, they were asked, they, my parents thought I could only ask for juice. And, you know, my PEX cards were very limited and, you know, that's all they, but in his mind, I mean, he is now like, he has a blog and he's typing and he's in college and he wants to be in philosophy. Like it is great. It's amazing. But in that regard, you know, all these stories are coming out of not presuming competence. So I would say my suggestion to any any therapist or anybody even working in education is to always, no matter what the skill level um, or especially the ability to communicate, to always presume competence, like at least always start them on age appropriate things and then kind of, you know, work backwards if you have to, or maybe you're pleasantly surprised and you could jump forward. But I think to just always remember that they're, they're people like, you know, I mean, even though we may think, oh, they are not paying attention they cannot do this. They cannot tell me this um, to just always have that respect to presume the competence. And, you know, and like I said, thankfully, I haven't experienced this. And, you know, I, I, I would highly doubt that one day Lyra would tell me that. But I mean, if she does, then, you know, I'm ready for it. But I'm also, again, circling back to why involvement is so important. You have to be involved to make sure that people are treating your child you know, and not not just like physically or verbally, but, you know, the demands they're putting on them. Are they appropriate? Are they, you know, how's the child feel? So I think it's just really important to be involved and to presume confidence. I would say that's my only little feedback to just everybody, not even ABA. But, you know, ABA gets the rap of dog training. It's, you know, here's a treat and here's this. And but I, I mean, we like we talked about earlier, I don't think we hardly ever used edibles, you know, as a reinforcement every now and then, you know, she worked for a snack, but um, yeah, I would just say and watch people do love edibles. Please watch. I know Skittles are easy and things like that, but a lot of these kids have behavior issues and things like that. And food plays a big role in that. You know, if they're going to be edibles, like try to make them my little PSA, try to make them healthy, try to make it where we're not giving them all this dye that's going to jack them up. And then we wonder why they can't sit still. You know what I mean? So Again, I don't want to get on that, get on that soapbox, but yeah, I just think presuming competence is the biggest thing. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here and kind of being our guinea pig for, for being our first guest. Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I, I feel like this has been my favorite episode yet. I think Um, this has been really eye opening just to like get the parents perspective, because of course we work with parents, but we don't get to hear really that side and like you know you've been in it for a long time so you have you've seen a lot and you have a lot of experience with it um so I think you know you're a great person to kind of show other families that like you know it it you can get through it and things will get better and you know it's yeah and you just have to You have to just understand, I think, when you get that diagnosis or when you start things, your future of what you imagine for your child may be different, right? Like you have to kind of give yourself that time to kind of almost mourn, right? Because we all do that when we're pregnant, especially moms. We're like, oh my God, he or she's going to be like this. And, you know, I had Penn State mugs and wine glasses before she was even, you know, born. And you that reality kind of sets in that 
it may look different, you know? So Mm -hmm. you have to kind of be okay with it looking different, but at the same time, not limit them. Like it just like, you know, just they're little, they have so much time to grow and achieve and be just what you thought they could be, but maybe they won't, or maybe they'll be even better. So I think just giving yourself that grace and, and, have to let go a little bit you know and I say that as a very type a very control freak person you got to kind of not you Kathy not you (laughs) (laughs) but you got you got to be okay with what happens you know and just kind of pivot and yeah that's it Thank you so much. Seriously, this has been amazing. And, you know, I think also one more thing that I want to just tackle on to that is, you know, I think also people need to remember that we have the behaviors are only so minute in that moment. Like it feels like it's ginormous in the moment. But if any, if Lyra can make this amazing progress over so much time, I think that any child can make so much progress over time. It just takes time, takes patience, takes collaboration. And that's the most important thing I think that we should take out of this episode other than, you know, all what Kathy just said. (laughs) Um, Oh, you're right. You're right. Patience is a big thing. I mean, I was not patient before my child. Uh, And you just, you just learn to be because, you know, it's, it's hardest on them, right? Like, they are working so hard and this is so different. You know, they don't know any of this. Like, so yeah, I think just like you said, Erica, the patience, the collaboration um, and, and kids can do it. Yeah, they can definitely do it. And take it away. All righty. Well, real quick, I'm going to plug all of our things. Um, <laughs> we have an email. It's aba.generalized.podcast at gmail.com. Instagram, aba generalized the pod. We have a YouTube. If you're watching us, then you know what it is. But if you're listening on podcasts, it's ABA Generalized. TikTok, ABA Generalized. There's nothing there yet. I don't know how to link them. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe so we can keep doing this. And if you want to be a guest, email us, message us, wherever. DM us. They're very nice, guys. They're very nice. ABA Generalized, the podcast, is not providing professional advice. Please seek a professional in your area for specific advice and support.